And this is not only Celebration Sunday, but it's groundbreaking service. And so this Sunday, we get to celebrate what God is going to do through our next-gen expansion. And we're going to actually end service not in this room this morning, but we're going to ask all of us um, here in just a few moments after the message, we're going to head outside together. And we want to take a moment and pray over the area where the next-gen expansion is going to come. They're going to start moving in the next couple of weeks, and bulldozers and dirt's going to be moved. And so we want to take a moment before all of that gets going, and we want to pray together as a church for our kids, our students, our families that are going to come from the community, and they're going to be impacted because of this. And as I was thinking about this groundbreaking service, I thought about the message that God wants to speak to us this morning. And so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I want to talk to you this morning about taking new ground, taking new ground. What does that mean in our life? What does that look like for us personally? What does that look like for us as a church taking new ground? And I want to look at God's word and look at this idea and see what God wants to speak to us about this morning. Now, whenever I was in elementary school, I was about fourth or fifth grade, my family lived in Shirley, Arkansas. It's this tiny town in the northwest kind of part of Arkansas. And my parents were pastors. And so we had a church that we were a part of. And the church was going through uh, the same process that we're going through. They were expanding and adding on. And I remember seeing these giant kind of machines out behind the church where they were going to build and add on, and they were moving dirt around. And one Sunday, me and a group of my friends, we went outside, and there were these beautiful mounds, kind of like a mountain or a hill of dirt, just this thick red clay. It wasn't like fine dirt. You guys live in Texas. You may know what some of that is, but this thick red clay. And so we decided to play this game, King of the Mountain. How many of you guys have ever played that? Okay. If you've never played it, it's where one person, you designate one individual, they kind of climb up to the top of the dirt, and their goal is to guard this thing. And everyone else is trying to shove, kick, push, whatever you do, okay, however you need to, to get up there and then to become king of the mountain, and then your job is to defend it. The problem was I was one of the smallest guys out there. I was always short. I was always skinny as a little kid. And so I just kept getting shoved back down. And I'd make my way halfway up the hill, and then something would hit me, and I'd roll all the way back down to the bottom. And I thought, this isn't working. I need a strategy. And so then I noticed everyone was attacking at the same time. And so I waited for them to do that, and I got sneaky, you guys. I snuck around to the backside. And I started climbing up that hill. And at the right moment, when everyone was pushing and shoving, I just went up behind whoever was up there, and I just let them have it and shoved them down. You guys, I was victorious. I was the champion in that moment. I was king of the mountain, and I was so excited, but it was short-lived because in a split second of me celebrating, someone grabbed my leg, and I went toppling down that mountain, down that little mound of dirt right there to the bottom. But I was still so excited. I had accomplished my dream. Now, when I went inside, my parents did not share my celebration because my nice Sunday clothes had red caked dirt all over them. So they were pretty upset, but I was pumped in that moment. I was so ecstatic. And I want us to look this morning at a person in the Bible who had that similar goal, a dream of taking a mountain, taking a hilltop because it was something that God had promised him. And he had this desire to take new ground. And so if you have your Bibles, open them this morning to Joshua chapter 14. We're going to start reading at verse 6. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, that's okay. There's a blue Bible there in the seat in front of you. It's a blue book. And you can take that out and turn to page 109. So turn to page 109. I want to encourage you to do that. 
and follow along with us as we read through this story. This is about a young man named Caleb, or about a man named Caleb. And once you have that, go ahead and hold that place for just a moment. And in case you're wondering, okay, who is Caleb? What's his story like? I'm going to give us a quick snapshot of Caleb's life that will help us understand the passage that we're reading here this morning. So Caleb was someone who lived hundreds of years before the time of Jesus. And he lived during the time where the people of God were brought out of slavery from Egypt. If you've read the Bible, you may be familiar with this story, Moses, the 10 commandments. It was right during this time. Caleb was one of the last generations to be born in slavery in Egypt, and he grew up in slavery. And then as an adult, he was freed. God freed the people of Israel from slavery through some amazing signs and wonders. We talked about this last week. God brought freedom to their life, and he, was, he led them through the desert. And as they were making their way through the desert, they were looking at this land God had promised them. And so they send out spies. They want to know, hey, what's the land going to be like? What does it look like? And so Caleb and a group of about 11 other guys, they go to spy out the land. And when they come back, they're like, you're not going to believe what we saw. I mean, there are massive pieces of fruit. It took a whole group of guys to carry this bunch of fruit. It's not like what you get at Kroger or Walmart, okay, you guys? This stuff was gigantic, and they couldn't believe their eyes. And then they said, you know what? There are giants. There are literal giants that live in this land, and we look like grasshoppers to them. And even beyond that, they have fortified cities, they have chariots, they have armies. We're in some serious trouble here. We don't know what to do. We should just go back to Egypt and become slaves because there is no way we're going to be able to conquer this land. And yet Caleb stands up and he said, wait a minute, you guys are forgetting all that God has done. Do you remember how he parted the Red Sea? Do you remember how he helped us to walk across on dry land and how the Egyptian army was crushed? Do you remember how God brought us out of Egypt and out of slavery? Don't forget what God has done. Caleb is crying out to the people, but the people's heart is melting in fear. And they don't listen to Caleb and Joshua. They listen to everyone else that is giving this bad report. And in Numbers chapter 14, God says this about Caleb. He has a different spirit. And he's following me wholeheartedly. And so because of that, Caleb will see the promised land. He'll enter in along with his descendants. And so this is what happens. All of the people that did not believe that God could help them conquer the new land that God was bringing them into, they died in the desert. And only Caleb and Joshua, two men, actually made it in along with the children and the grandchildren of those that have been brought out of freedom um, or brought out of slavery in Egypt and so they're standing now in this new land, and they're dividing up the land. Who, what family is going to get this plot of land? What tribe is going to get this area and this part of the new nation? And this is where we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. This is Caleb speaking now after all these years. And this is what he says. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And he said, I brought with him a word that was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the people's heart melt in fear. Yet I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now the Lord spoke to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness, and I am here 85 
years old, but I'm still as strong today as I was back then. My heart is still the same for war going out and coming in. So now give me this hill country, which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there, great fortified cities, but it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as in the day where the Lord spoke that to me. So I want us to look at this, this story of Caleb. And I want to look at three things that we see in the life of Caleb with this idea of taking new ground, taking new ground. Three things that we see in Caleb's life. The first is this, don't let the fight die. Don't let the fight die. Caleb still has this fight inside of him. There's still this determination, this desire to be all that God has called him to be, to do all that God has called him to do. And when you read this, it's amazing. This guy is 85 years old. Now, I'm looking out across this room. I don't know that there are many of you that are 85 years old. And if you are, I don't want to say it because that could be offensive right, to you. But I don't think there's that many of us in here that are 85 years old. Yet there's still this determination. There's still this desire. Caleb has spent 40 years of his life in slavery, being whipped, being beaten, building bricks, carving out statues, building monuments to Pharaoh. That's how he spent the first 40 years of his life. That's a hard life in and of itself. But it doesn't stop there. He spends the next 40 years wandering through the wilderness. It's hot, right? It's dry. We live in Texas. We know what this is like. And so that's how he spends 40 years of his life, the next 40 years. But it doesn't end there. You think this guy's 80 years old at this point. He can kick back. He can relax. They're going into the promised land. But no, he has to spend five more years battling with armies, fighting battles, waging war to conquer the land. An 80-year-old guy is out there with the sword and he's fighting right with everyone else, conquering the land that God has promised them. And even at that point, he doesn't let the fight die. There's this determination in him. He's saying, God, you have more. I mean, 85 years, so much happens in 85 years. Just think back 85 years ago to 1933, what the world was like. You look at the headlines back in 1933, and this is what it says. Prohibition ends at last. That was that long ago, right, where the government said alcohol is illegal, and then everyone fought that for a while, and then it ends. And this is what the headlines. When you think about NASCARs and fast cars, this is what you saw. I mean, that thing could barely go about 45 miles an hour. And we could kill it on the highway. I mean, all of us, we drive faster than that all of the time. Think about how much technology and cars and all of that has advanced since 1933. If you wanted to go to the movies and see the blockbuster film of the year, it was King Kong. And the old one, right, where it doesn't even look really like a gorilla. It's kind of on a model scale type thing. None of it looked real. And now we have CGI. I mean, Avengers, Infinity War, it all looks so real. Think about how much has changed when you wanted to go see a comedy. How about Laurel and Hardy, right? Some of these were silent films. They didn't even talk in the films. I mean, they were just starting to get to that point where there was dialogue in films. And now all of the comedic geniuses that we have, all of the advances, so much has changed in the past 85 years. So much is different. And that's what Caleb has lived through. And yet at this point, he doesn't settle back down. He doesn't, it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. There's this desire. There is this fight and this determination in Caleb's life to still see God do amazing things, to see God use him. And we need that same kind of spirit inside of us. We need a generation that's looking and saying, God, as long as you've given me breath in my lungs today, 
God, I woke up this morning and there's energy in my life. There is something you have called me to do, God. I wake up today with a purpose. I wake up today with the, destin- with the destiny, God, that you have spoken over my life. There is a fight and a determination inside of me, God, to do something great. If we want to take new ground, we need that same heart that Caleb had that said, God, I am going to do more for your kingdom, Lord. And so I'm not resting. I'm not just going to kick back and retire. I'm not going to take the easy way out. I'm not going to become comfortable or apathetic on the dreams or the things that God has placed in my life. Church, don't let the fight die. God has given you a purpose. God's given you something in your life. The question is, will you have that determination? And it doesn't matter what you've seen God do in the past. I mean, Caleb had seen some amazing things. God had miraculously fed them in the desert. God had provided over and over again, but he wasn't saying, God, that's enough what you've done in the past. He's saying, no, God, I want you to do something new in this moment, Lord. There is a mountain and there is a hilltop that you've called me to take. Church, don't let the fight die. How do you get to 85 years old and you still have that kind of drive in you? And how do you get to 85 and there's still that fight, there's that desire of God, there's a mountaintop that I want to take. Well, when I look at Caleb's life, it's because he held on to the promise of God. If you want to be 85 and you still want that determination, then you hold on to the promises that God has given you. He's saying that, hey, it was 45 years ago when God spoke that, but I have not forgotten. I've held on to that. I still have a dream. I still have a desire of what God wants to do inside of me. 45 years later, this guy's 85 years old and there's still this fight in him because he held on to God's promise. Now I have to think in 85 years, he's forgotten some stuff, right? I mean, 85 years old, there's probably a time where he forgot his anniversary. I see all the ladies nudging your husband at this point, right? Guys, you know what that's like, where you run to the store and you grab roses or chocolates, like whatever you can find because you forgot your anniversary. That happens uh, sometimes, but the guy's 85, you've got to give him a break. Or maybe he forgot the name of his elementary teacher when he was in the fourth grade. Maybe the name of his best friend growing up, but there was something that Caleb did not forget. And that was the promise of God. It's what God had spoken to him all of those years earlier in his life. And he said, God, I'm still going after this mountain, Lord. There's still something you have called me to do, God. There's something great that you're speaking over my life. And we need that same desire in us, God, that we will not let the fight die inside of us, but we'll continue to conquer new mountains and accomplish great things because of what God has done inside of us. I mean, you look at any of the great men and women that have lived throughout time, and you guys, they did not let the fight die in their life. They kept that alive. I mean, Thomas Edison, you look at his life, and if you've ever studied it in history, the creator of the incandescent light bulb, and all of the work that it took to do that, when you read the story, he tried 9,999 times and failed every single time. I don't know about you, I'd be tempted to give up somewhere around a thousand, but he kept going until he accomplished it. And we have light in a dark room like this, right? All of the things that we have are in part because he did not let the fight die inside of his life. You look at Walt Disney, everything that Disney created and helped get started, Disneyland, Disney World, all of the movies, all of the animation. And I don't know if you know this, Walt Disney was fired from his job as a young person. He worked at a newspaper. When they handed him the pink slip, it said, Walt Disney is unimaginative and uncreative. And he didn't let the fight die, did he? 
I mean, he may have not had it all in that moment, but he kept working, he kept fighting, he kept going because he had a dream in his heart. He had something that he wanted to accomplish and he was not going to give up on it. You look at Michael Jordan. I'm sorry if you're a LeBron fan. Okay, I think Jordan's the greatest. And Michael Jordan was cut from his high school varsity basketball team. He did not make the team. As a high school student, 15 years of age, he wasn't good enough at basketball. But he keeps going, he keeps practicing. The Olympic dream team, all of the MVPs, the NBA championships, all of that was because he did not let the fight die inside of him. There was this determination of God. I'm gonna continue to chase what it is that you've called me. That's what we see in the life of Caleb. That's the desire that we see inside of him, you guys. We need that determination in our life if we're gonna take new ground. Not only do we need that fight in our life and that determination, we need to dream God-sized dreams. Look at Joshua chapter 14, verse 12. This is what it says. So give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you have heard on that day how the Anakim were there, great fortified cities, and it may be that God is with me and that I shall drive them out just as the Lord has said. This 85-year-old man, he has a God-sized dream. He has this God-sized dream. This is an impossible thing when you look at this. And if we're to take new ground, we need these kind of God-sized dreams in our life. I mean, you look what's happening. There had to be people that are like, seriously, Caleb? Come on, man, you're 85 years old. This is so hard, but it wasn't only his age. It was where the city was located. It was what he wanted to take over. If you play Battlefield or Battlefront, or if you play Black Ops, you know the strategic place is where? It's up high, right? You want the high ground. I'm a Star Wars nerd, and so Star Wars 3, Obi-Wan says that to Anakin Skywalker, don't attack me, I've got the high ground, before he defeats him with the lightsaber. And, and that's what you know, if you've studied strategy of war, you want the high ground. You guys, Caleb is trying to attack the high ground, and the enemy can see where he's coming, he has no good point in which to attack, and it looks like an impossible thing for him to take this hill country. For him to take this away from these individuals. And it wasn't just the land, but it was who was up there. The Anakim. These were fierce warriors. These individuals were trained from a young age how to do battle, how to conquer, how to fight wars. They were strategic in their mind. And this is who Caleb's going up against. And not only are they strategic warriors, they're giants. If you've ever heard of an individual in the Bible named Goliath, right? Nine feet tall. This massive muscular guy, they said that his spear and his shield and his swords, they weighed over 125 pounds. I don't know about you, but I'd have trouble picking that up. And he's using it to fight people off. These were giants. And his great, 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 great grandparents, they were the Anakim. It was a whole race of people that were eight feet, nine feet tall that were trained to do battle. And that's where Caleb says, hey, I want to go attack that place. God may go with me. And Caleb has this desire in his heart. It's this God-sized dream. What does he say? I shall drive them out. The Lord will be with me. How can he say that when he's looking at the impossible? It's because he knows God is going with me. In church, you may have something in your heart that other people laugh at, that you may think, man, I'm afraid to say that out loud, that it's just a desire, it's something inside of you. Or some of you may have had a desire a long time ago and you've walked away from it. It's a God-sized dream. Don't give up on that. Look at the life of Caleb where he said, God is gonna go with me. God is gonna fight on my behalf. God is gonna do what I cannot do. If you wanna take new ground, you need a God-sized dream in your life. So what's your dream? What is it that God has placed inside of you? 
What is it that you get excited about? For some of you in this room, it may be creating something. It may be an entrepreneurial spirit inside of, your, inside of you, taking something that's not there and solving a problem or bringing an answer. It's a dream inside of your heart, but you're thinking, there's nothing there. How do I even start? How do I accomplish this? Don't give up on the dream. For some of you in this room, none of your family has gone to college and you have a desire to get a master's degree or a doctorate degree. And when you say that, it seems silly because you're looking around saying, no one else in my family has done that. Don't give up on the dream, church. Don't give up on the dreams that God has placed in your life. For some of you, it's personal. It's not something out there. It's something in here. It's something spiritual that you have this dream, but it feels weird talking about it because when you think about a dream, it's that your marriage would be successful. And you look around at family members, aunts, uncles, cousins, and everyone's divorced around you. And to see a marriage that's actually healthy and that actually works, it's a distant dream for you. It doesn't even look like it could become a reality. And God's saying, hey, I want you to have a healthy relationship. That's what I desire for your life. Don't give up on the dream, church. For some of you in this room, you're a little bit older and it's that your kids would come to know Jesus. There's close family members that have walked away from Christ and you just have this desire. Once again, it may feel a little odd saying it, but this desire inside of you that they would come to church and you think, man, the the walls of this place would probably fall in if they walked through those doors. Like they're so far away from God. Church, don't give up on the dream. God's calling you to do something. God's calling this work and this desire in your life. You need to have that spirit of Caleb, of God, I believe that you're gonna go with me. God, I believe that you're gonna fight on my behalf, that desire in us. As I was looking at this this week, I came across this quote and it said, if your dreams don't scare you, they probably aren't big enough. If your dreams don't scare you, church, they're probably not big enough. And you and I, we need to look at the dreams that God has placed in our life. And we need to go after those. We need to pursue those bigger dreams for what God is calling us to do, to make an impact. But you know what's easy for us? We settle. We do. We settle. We come up against an obstacle. We come up against something different. Like Caleb, we're standing at the bottom of that, bottom of that mountain and we're looking up at fortified cities. We're looking up at giants and we're thinking, this is too hard. I can't manage this. I can't afford this. I can't conquer that, God. I just can't do it. And so we settle in our lives. But what we don't realize is when we settle, it affects us. I mean, I could manage this, right? It's a little bulldozer. And this thing could actually do something. Like it can, it can make an impact here. Can you guys see that there? So we're going to scoop up a little bit of dirt here. Now we're doing a next-gen expansion here at NCC. And... Okay, I can move some dirt, but you guys, I'm probably not going to be able to build um, a 6,000 square foot building with that, am I? Or if I do, it's going to take a lot of time, but you know what? This is easier, isn't it? And this is what we do is we shrink our dreams down. We shrink the things that God has set in our life down because they're more manageable and they're easier. And I can afford this, can't afford a bulldozer, but I can afford this because it's just a few dollars on Amazon and I can, I can handle this. If you see me in a bulldozer, you probably need to run, okay? Because that's a scary thought. I can't control one of those. And so that's what we do is we say, hey, God, I can handle this. I can do this. And so we make our dreams small. But let me tell you, church, if you want to take new ground in your personal life, 
if you want to make an impact, if you want your life to matter, if you want to accomplish the dreams that God has given you, you need God-sized dreams. You need dreams that are bigger than yourself, where God is calling you out into scary moments where you're looking a giant in the face and saying, God, it doesn't matter how old I am. God, it doesn't matter what I've already seen, Lord. I've got another mountain that you're calling me to. God, I want to take new ground for you, Lord. I have a desire to accomplish something amazing for you. Church, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on what God has spoken in your life. God is speaking to us this morning. There's something he wants you to do. Some of you, you've let it die. You've thought my time has passed. That was in my 20s. That was in my 30s. That was when I was a young person, right? No, this morning, God's speaking to you. I still have more for you to accomplish. And I want us to pause right in the middle of this message. We have one more truth that I want to share with you from the life of Caleb. But right now, can we just pause for a moment? I want you to listen to the voice of God. I want you to take out your smartphone or take out that sermon note card there in front of you. And we're just going to stop here for one minute. And I want you to hear God's voice. What is the dream that he's given you? What is the thing that you've set to the wayside? What is the thing that you've shrunk down so that you can manage it and you can afford it and you can handle it? And this morning, God's saying, no, I have something bigger. I want something better for your life. Can we just take a moment? We're going to write this down. We're going to do this right now. Just begin to write those, those God-sized dreams in your life that the Lord is speaking over you. you're still writing, you can finish that up. Church, I want to challenge you. God is calling us to do more. The last thing I want to leave with you this morning as we look at this idea of taking new ground is what Caleb does. We see this in Joshua 14, 14. It says, therefore, Hebron, that mountaintop, that hilltop became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. And to this day, it remains the land of his descendants. To this day, his descendants still have that land. And I look at Caleb's life and I look at, man, why did he do that? Why at 85 years old is there still this fight inside of him? Why does he dream God-sized dreams? Why is he willing to take on a giant when it seems impossible and, and fight these battles? Why is he doing that? Why does he even want to take new ground in the first place? It's because of this right here. Caleb knew it was about leaving a legacy for future generations. It's about leaving a legacy for future generations. You guys, what God is calling us to in your personal lives, together as a church, what God is speaking over us, it's not just for us. See, God wants to do something inside of you and it's for your kids, it's for your grandkids, it's for your great grandkids. God is challenging you to leave a legacy. And you guys, I have this picture in my mind of the next generation filling this place and they're leading us kids and students that are going after our community and they're making a transformation and they're making an impact. Students that are going around the world on missions trips and they're planning churches in other parts of the world. Students that are up here on the stage and they're leading out and they're declaring the praises of God. You guys, that is the picture of the future.